He didn't come to dismiss evil and to just let justice slide. No, he came to bring justice by taking on himself the weight of all the sin, the sin of the armies in the world wars, the sin of the armies and the soldiers of today who sinfully abuse and attack the innocent, the sin of the family member or friend who is guilty of neglect and abuse, the sin of the mother who abandoned and smothered the life of her child, your sin and mine. Jesus came to take that justice. That's why he came in such humility. And in his humility is found the hope of you, of me, and of all nations. This message is from Mark of Ages, Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, April 10th, 2022. Isaiah 42, 1-4. I'm guessing that most of you have seen at least part of the Star Wars series or TV show. It's a series that has to deal with a bunch of rebels going against a, an empire that's trying to take over the whole galaxy. One reoccurring phrase that uh, occurs in this series is, we will bring order to the galaxy. Of course, every viewer knows that the phrase, we will bring order to the galaxy, is used just as a really a cover-up for all kinds of acts of evil. The empire's admirals and commanders commit terrible atrocities as they trod down and trample over the poor, as they kill innocent people, all for the sake of bringing peace and order. You know, this series was actually modeled, many people recognize, off of real history. The events that took place in the war propaganda of modern warfare in, in World War II was very similar. The cry for restoring order and taking control really was just a cry for tyrants to seize absolute terrifying control and power over others so they could crush all those who oppose them and take full control of this world. And still today, that's what happens. As wars are waged in the name of bringing peace and order, people die. Control is seized. Power is gained. We need something more than what the corrupt order of sinful mankind can bring us. That's why the, the words of our God in Isaiah 42 are, are so good for us to hear. We see someone bringing order to the galaxy, bringing us peace, but it's not like all the other controls and all the other empires and kings and rulers that ever came before. This one comes setting aside his power and authority and through deepest humility brings peace to us and to all nations. That's what we'll see as we look at God's word in Isaiah 42. Here, the, the one who's chosen, God's chosen instrument for bringing order to the galaxy is described as he says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. Notice he's not called admiral or commander. This is the chosen one, the servant of the Lord. The title chosen one 
is very similar in connotation to the, the title Messiah, one who God selects and anoints. And he is the one that God delights in to carry out his task because he is not one serving for his own selfish purpose. He is the Lord's servant, carrying out the Lord's plan to bring peace to this world. And the tools that God's chosen instrument will use, his servant, aren't armies or weaponized missiles or tanks. No, the way that the Lord says his servant is equipped to bring world order and world peace is, I will put my spirit on him. He has a power far greater than any other. This one that the prophecy speaks of here, who would be the, the Lord's chosen one, is the, the chosen Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is the one that the Father declared, here is my Son whom I love, who came to bring out God's plan of peace for this world. And what would he do? He will bring justice to the nations. Certainly this world has been in great need of justice. Just consider What's happening in the world today is you, as you hear reports of people who are facing terrible situations with people invading their land, taking over their homes, bombing their cities, it's happening today. And it's always happened. The terrible control and injustice that happens in this world as one man seeks to take power over another, there is injustice and it's been there. It's nothing new. After all, where was justice? When the nation of Israel was invaded by the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, where was justice when we see this world facing war after war and events like World War II? Where was justice when we see nation overtaking nation and people suffering? And it's not something you have to go to some distant land to to find there is injustice. What about the injustice in this land as the native people were massacred and taken over? Where was justice as the African nations sold their brothers to slavery and they were bought as if possessions and brought here to be bartered and treated like mere cattle? Where was justice? We see the, the world has always struggled. We can never agree on what it takes to bring justice. And you don't have to go very far away or in the distant past to wonder, where was justice a few years ago when the riots were really exploding in our nation? And where is justice now when some people, for the sake of establishing order, are now losing their jobs because they dissent against the powers that be? Can we agree on what justice is for everyone? And don't be mistaken, don't, don't think that the struggles of this world only happen on the big stage. The suffering, the, the brokenness, the smoldering pain of sin is found very near. Maybe it's with a friend, a neighbor, or, or someone in your family. We start to wonder where the justice is when a mother smothers the life of her child and that life is snuffed out. We start to wonder where is justice as a father's crushing abandonment of his family leaves them forsaken and he leaves his wife and his children and we see the injustice as this world confuses those who 
still have not yet reached puberty and tries to persuade them to have life-altering hormone treatments or surgery, which many of them will and certainly will later on regret but have to live with. Isn't it abuse? We see the, the struggle for justice happen. And maybe you and I might be quick to say, we would like to bring this world to order, but could we? If you were to have your way and given all power and authority, would you use it as you ought? Or would you be like the corrupt rulers of the present and the past who overlook their own faults conveniently and trample over others for their own selfish needs? There was an author who wrote a, a series about superheroes, a fairly popular series, only his series was a little bit more accurate than other superhero novels. You see, he depicted all of the people with the superpowers in his series as being corrupt and selfish. Isn't that what we're familiar with? Another famous author presented his heroine, and she was given the opportunity to seize control of a powerful ring. And when she was offered that ring, she knew she could rule the world with that ring. But she had to decline the tempting offer because she knew it would corrupt her. And with that authority, she would turn and use it for evil. What about us? What about you? Do you think that you could take the order and control this world and bring justice and bring peace for all? I'm afraid to answer how I would take that authority. Here, we see the description of the one that God chose, how he would carry out his work to bring order to the galaxy. Now, the, the phrase that's used isn't exactly bring order to the galaxy, but it's very similar. He will bring justice to the nations. And what will he be like? He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. When Jesus, the chosen servant, came, he was announced to his mother, Mary, in such a way that she was told he will take the throne of his father, David, and he will rule over all. But he was unlike any other king. There was no herald. In fact, when King Herod had the messengers come from afar and they asked, where is the one born, the king? King Herod was perplexed. No one knew where this humble king born in Bethlehem really was. And when Jesus began his ministry as the chosen one, he did not herald his name, but rather some guy who was wearing camel's hair announced him. And at his baptism, the father declared, this is my chosen one in whom I delight. And he put his spirit on him as Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism and began his work. And when this chosen one began his work of bringing order to the galaxy. It's not like all the other rulers and authorities. Instead of grabbing for power and boasting, he set aside his power. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. When Jesus saw those who were crushed under the, the weight of their own sin, and he saw the suffering and the needy in this world, he didn't do the most expedient and practical thing and say, you're out of the kingdom, you're not part of my plan. He met with sinners. 
And when the outcasts, the, the tax collectors and the sinners wanted peace and they wanted justice, they met with him and he proclaimed to them good news and forgiveness. And when his disciples ended up abandoning him and betraying him, instead of sending them away as a failed commander, he proclaimed to them forgiveness. Jesus taught the poor and, and said, blessed are the poor. And when the people came, burdened with the heavy weight of sin, crushing on their shoulders, and they were being snuffed out by the spiritual leaders, Jesus came and he said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. And he spoke of that, that poor man like Lazarus in his story, who was lifted up after death and carried to be in paradise. And there he was, setting aside all of his authority, all of his power, as he hung on the cross. There, the other criminal said to him, or the, the criminal that was at his side said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that man could hear Jesus say, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus did not snuff out the smoldering wick of faith. He did not crush the bruised reed broken by sin and pain. Jesus came until he brought forth justice. And he, he was more than just talk. You see, Jesus fulfilled his purpose. The prophecy says here at the start of verse 4, a play on words, he will not falter or be discouraged. That's what the, the NIV says. But literally, th those words are the same words written above. He will not be snuffed out. He will not be crushed until he accomplishes his task. The prophecy says God's chosen one will not fail. In order to bring peace, Jesus was proclaimed by that crowd on Palm Sunday as he entered into the city. They praised their king who came in such a humble way. And make no mistake, God does not bring justice by dismissing the evil of this world, the massacres happening in the past, the riots of today, the neglect, the abuse, the sin of this world around us and in your life. He didn't come to dismiss evil and to just let justice slide. No, he came to bring justice by taking on himself the weight of all the sin, the sin of the armies in the world wars, the sin of the armies and the soldiers of today who sinfully abuse and attack the innocent, the sin of the family member or friend who is guilty of neglect and abuse, the sin of the mother who abandoned and smothered the life of her child, your sin and mine, Jesus came to take that justice. That's why he came in such humility. And in his humility is found the hope of you, of me, and of all nations as he brought justice so that God could both be the one who is just and the one who justifies by paying the price of sin on the cross. The Son of God, Jesus, the Chosen One, brought justice and mercy to this world and established lasting peace. For he would not fail. It said, 
He will not falter or be discouraged. That is, he will not be snuffed out. He will not be crushed. And yes, in a sense, Jesus' life was snuffed out on the cross and he was crushed and placed in the tomb. But he would not fail. Even death could not snuff him out as he rose again to life. He will not fail until he establishes justice on the earth. Can you picture it? Our King Jesus bringing order to the galaxy as he declares the sinner forgiven, the price for sin has been met. And even the islands who put their hope in him, as it says here, know that they will be part of his kingdom forever. No more sin, no more death, no more evil, no more wickedness, no more corruption, no more selfishness. But just as he rose from death, he gives life to those who put their hope in him. And that's what it's like. Here is our hope. Our hope is found in the humble Savior who himself restores and gives us all that we need. When you're wondering about all the political upheaval and you're wondering about the the personal pains and the brokenness of sin, look to Jesus. And there we see in him a hope like none other. Brothers and sisters, we find in a Savior who was crushed but did not fail, whose life was taken but did not lose, the hope of every nation, the hope of the hurting, the dying, those under the curse of sin. And in mercy, he brings peace to the galaxy. He brings justice to all the nations. And all the distant islands, all the lands of this world, all peoples put their hope in him. The people of the past who were crushed and massacred, who were downtrodden, who were under the crushing weight of the powers of this world, who put their hope in Jesus, find it will not fail. And you today, who put your hope in him, you know it will not fail because you have from him justice, in a world filled with wickedness, mercy from a God who takes the price and love unfailing from him who humbled himself.